This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome to the... G'day. Welcome to the Cow Corner Podcast. The Ashes. And welcome back to the Cow Corner podcast and a new series of podcasts around the upcoming Ashes series, Down Under. I'm James Hill, and tonight I am joined by Will Parson and Ian Slater. How are we, guys? Good, thank you. Yeah, good, thank you, James. And we are also joined by our Ashes contingent in Convict Corner, Jack Doyle. How are we, Jack? <laughs> good, thanks, James. <laughs> Convict Corner. <laughs> <laughs> <Big> so, corner. <laughs> welcome to the podcast, guys. So this first episode is very much going to be an Ashes preview. So we're going to be looking towards the upcoming Ashes series, looking at the tests, having a look at the squads that have been put forward by both sides and also looking at the key issues coming into the upcoming test series. So first of all, let's talk about a bit about ourselves first of all. So Will, a little bit about your own cricketing career and your favourite Ashes Test series to date. Um, my selected cricketing career, if you can call it a career. Well, everyone knows who probably is listening right now. I captain Shrewsbury in the Birmingham League, played a handful of games for Shropshire. Very good at getting to 20 and then watching everybody else from the side. I'm quite good at that. Uh, set my own field while I'm batting and uh, tell the captain where to put it and then hit it straight to the bloke. I've done that once. <laughs> uh, other than that, Dropping catches, it slip, and yeah, yeah, doing as little running as possible. That's my cricketing career, really. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have a favourite Ashes series. Obviously, I loved 2005, but I've got early memories of being pumped by Australia for years and years. And I think watching us actually win a Test match in at Wellington Cricket Club, and Mark Butcher knocked it off, I think, wasn't it? And um, they uh, and there's just 
no celebration. So <laughs> it, was, it just didn't mean anything. That was like one of my earliest Ashes memories. Everyone was sort of just got up and walked out and didn't say a word. <laughs> um, but yeah, 2005, I loved watching that. I was lucky enough to watch a few days test matches in Australia, watch Warner get 100. I was behind the bowler's arm to Mitch Johnson when he was hitting that crack at, uh, at the Wacker. Making everybody look stupid. Yeah, that was a good day. <laughs> yeah, I was literally behind his arm on that. That was a, that was quite scary to watch actually. <laughs> but uh, and yeah, and then the last time it was over here and watching Stokes play that innings and that was uh, that was pretty special as well. They probably they they'll always stand out. Slats. Yeah, I'm uh, Slats. Ian Slater been around for quite some time. Have actually played against Australia for the over fifties at uh, Shift. Uh, many moons ago, well, not long ago actually, about four or five years ago when they toured here, which is great, um, sort of once in a lifetime thing. Uh, played a lot of my club cricket recently for captain the second team. Yeah, sort of uh, <laughs> in the leagues quite a bit. Best Ashes memory, I suspect, crikey, I'll show me age now, probably uh, the 81 series when literally school stopped, when the Headingley test came to its fruition and Big Bob. Took all those wickets, uh, which was fantastic. And probably, yeah, 2005 was great. But actually, probably series Cook series out, out in Australia where he just murdered them, you know, 570 for one. We were trotty getting 155 as well, while he got 135. Cook was brilliant. And interestingly, he's just signed a new two-year deal with Essex to carry on for another couple of years playing domestic cricket, which is fantastic. Yeah, sort of uh, lots of lots of drubbings over the years and lots of Australia on top and, you know, watching Shane Warne bowl that uh, fantastic delivery to uh, Mike Gatting. And yeah, I've managed to be, go to a couple of tests, but I've been up at Old Trafford to watch an Ashley test match where England generally got a drubbing back in the 90s and what have you. But uh, lot, far more even contest and really looking forward to this tour down under. should be fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's, it's good to have you on board, Slats, because obviously I think, well, me and Will have a, a similar age and Jack a bit younger, so I hope you don't mind me saying <laughs> you have a vast knowledge of series pre-1990 that we can fall back on. Old, old is the word you're looking for. <laughs> you're always like one at the age of above, aren't you? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, Jack, I suspect your preference of uh, favourite Ashes will differ slightly to ours. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm Jack. I was the Beacon overseas in 2019 in Brisbane. So I play my cricket in the Queensland Premier Grade competition here in Brisbane for Sandgate Redcliffe, captaining fourth grade at the moment. I'm top order bat and park up at first slip for the rest of the day. Um, but yeah, favorite favorite Ashes series. Um, first of all, would have been the one while I was over in the UK in 2019. Um, something I'd always wanted to do was go to Lords and uh, see like a Test match there live. You just can't beat that, and that was a pretty cool experience. And I'm pretty sure that's where Steve Smith was hit, and obviously went off concussed, and then Manus came out to bat, um, which has sort of started like yeah legacy since then, I guess. Had he have not had had Smith have not hit, Manus probably never gets his opportunity to bat three or four in test cricket and yes it's a pretty cool series being there live and actually seeing it at lords um and then i was live at headingley as well where joffrey archer was coming back and steve smith it was his first game back from concussion um there'd obviously been a fair bit in the media joffrey saying you know i'm gonna gonna hit you gonna hurt you and smith was sort of going back saying yeah you've never got me out kind of thing 
um, and just sitting in a crowd like full of English, uh, chanting and cheering and singing. Yeah, I was just like, this is awesome. Um, so that was a pretty cool series for me. And then obviously Amazing Adelaide as well. Um, pretty hard to beat. Yeah, it's, it's going to be one of the things that I think we're going to miss with this series, really, is no real Barmy Army contingent unless you've got expats out there. Do we think that that'll have much of an impact in the Total Ashes experience? Do you think that there'll be more Aussies coming out and filling the void? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think the Barmy Army are a massive part of the series, like just in general. I think they're huge. Um, best supporters in the world, I reckon, honestly. Like, yeah. I don't know, there's a lot of English people there. I remember, I think it might, it was Euro, which was the, um, which was, was it Euros or World Cup when uh, Gerard accidentally flicked it on for us to go out? Do you remember when he flicked it on and they ended up running in and scoring? Do you remember that? It was about, it was, two, it was like eight years ago. Yeah, probably uh, World Cup, is it? South yeah, it's probably maybe? World Cup, yeah. Went to, went to a bar to watch and it was uh, their England's first game. It was about two in the morning and they opened it for the game and it was absolutely rammed. It was ridiculous. It was like hundreds, hundreds of English people there watching the game. And so I think there's plenty around <laughs> to fill out, you know, to fill the void. If uh, a lot of people end up just staying, don't they? Yeah. I mean, my abiding memory of Ashes is well, those first memories of England just getting pumped every time and then finally winning a test series at home in 2005 which was iconic but I think for me my favorite one has to be the test series in 2010-2011 when we won down under with that Strauss cooked side I remember I was at university at the time and staying up and completely missing lectures um (laughs) (laughs) not going in just staying up watching the test and just watching Strauss Cook etc bat and bat and bat and also just watching and listening to the Barmy Army cheer the lads on the whole way and seriously incredible and it's definitely one thing that's on my bucket list of things to do is to go and see an Ashes tour down under is that the series when Ponton didn't have his pads on (laughs) remember when we took when there was that run out really yeah, and then yeah. Ponting well, nicked off like first ball, and then trotty, Clark was trotty, out. I remember the other run out, didn't he? That was it, yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, because Katic and uh, and Watson really got on with each other around about that period, didn't they? Because they kept running <laughs> each other out. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those as well, though. It's it's well, it's the last series that England have won down under, and before that, our last victories down under were eighty six, eighty seven, and seventy eight, seventy nine. So. Doesn't look too great, but I mean, there's always hope. But with that series, looking back, what do you think the key to success was there? A good batting lineup for England, a good bowling lineup, or do you think it was just a poor Australian squad in that time? Um, probably a bit of both as well, I think. Um, probably a pretty strong England squad met a pretty fresh Australian squad, an Australian squad that were probably having troubles at the time as well. So I think it was probably a, a, yeah, a mix of both. And, rough sort of squad meeting a pretty strong squad yeah uh, yeah yeah probably probably a combination of both to be honest uh i think it's probably one of the one of the first in a while or one of the only england sides that actually got there with bowlers that could you know bowl well in australian conditions normally we've got guys who rock up about 80 83 miles an hour in a nightmare over here but like i think um people are quite surprised about like tremlett you know, he had the size and the right pace to bowl that length, you know, and, and we had a couple of bowlers like Broad was bowling that length, which kind of sort of gave us a bit more of an edge. And the guys that went out there, it would usually sort of like fall over in clusters. And, you know, it's it's such a big occasion and mm. such a different way to go out and play. You've got to get big scores. And England went through a bit of a patch of not getting big 
you know, big innings, you know, getting to 400, 500, usually getting 250, 300 and then being 150 behind. And uh, it was kind of the other way around. Um, just played it a little bit better, I thought, than we have in the past. Yeah, so that England bowling lineup was Tremlett, Finn, Bresnan, Swan, Anderson, Broad. You also had Panasar, Shazad. You had Collingwood, who could do a bit as well. But yes, like you mentioned, Tremlett, that heights, Finn with that heights. Yeah. I think it was a, a really well-balanced side. You know, we had a fantastic top order, all in form, going in there with lots of confidence. And yeah, as you said, the bowling attack really backed that up. I mean, as you said, Will, falling over, of course, Finney. Always fall yeah. Um Yeah, but and also, you know, you, you got strength in depth. The top order was great, and then you got Peterson to come in and whack it about, and then you know Matt Pryor as well was probably on the probably peak of his powers. It's quite an aggressive uh, batting lineup, wasn't it? It yeah, was, the, it was really like good. it was the first time we really got over and being positive, like just can go over in the past and sort of just nick off and not really go anywhere. And the kind of English way of playing Test cricket, and it was you know they were just moving into a new way of you know with Peterson in there, like you say. The, with the strength and the depth of the batting order, you definitely go out and be much more positive and, you know, and take it to bowlers. Yeah, but I also, yeah, but I also think the Aussies weren't in a great place either at that point. I think, you know, their bowling yeah. attack wasn't brilliant. Um, you know, sticking that ball outside, outside cookies off stump all the while, <laughs> just getting put away and, and not learning from it. And I think that was, that was kind of, they were going through a rough patch in terms of bowling attack. Uh, Mitchell Johnson wasn't, you know, probably the best frame of mind, I wouldn't have thought. And, you know, I think, you know, he, he, the crowd got after him, didn't they? The Barmy Army got after him and his confidence got shot to pieces. But he, he bounced back and you saw how he came back. Yeah, probably lacking a quality spinner as well, weren't they? Yeah. Who was the spinner in that series? Was it Horitz? Xavier Doherty. Was it? Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I remember I was probably in year five or six at the time, I think. And I remember just watching Alistair Cook bat all day, every day, and just hate. <laughs> like hating him just as a typical like you know typical Brisbane boy like yeah just feel like I hate Alistair Cook um yeah because he just makes double hundred after double hundred after double hundred yeah um, we'd sit there watching him bat all day that's why you know, we hated most Aussie players because you just watch them bat and bowl all day like yeah. you know Bright Brylar is one of my favorite cricketers of all time but I hated him as a kid because all you had to do is watch him bat yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's different with bowlers isn't it you see I mean Loved Shane Warne because he was a character, but also he didn't know what he was going to do in terms of that was great. Apart from apart from that bit when he was dancing with the stump above his head, do you remember that after a, a test? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's what made two thousand. I think that's what made two thousand and five so special for many England fans is because you know they had McGrath, Warne, Gillespie. You know this bowling attack which you'd seen take teams apart, and it was a real challenge to kind of. I remember listening to the radio the whole time, just kind of when you're on holiday, desperate, just hoping that they don't get a wicket, but always kind of feeling like at any moment, this Australian side had the power to kind of just flick the switch and take a game away from you. And oh, they did it, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> but, he, but even that series, I mean, Shane Warne got 40 plus wickets in that, in that 2005 series, which, you know, they've won, it, won a series any other, any other time. It's just the measure of the man, you know, he was, he was uh, a complete wizard, wasn't he? Yeah, so you look at the England's bowling attack for this series and you've got Anderson, Bess, Broad, Leach, Overton, Robinson, Wokes and Wood. 
what are the main things that are standing out to you about that bowling attack? You're looking at probably, you know, a lot of people talk about bowlers with extreme pace and bowlers with height. You know, you mentioned obviously England's bowlers who have that 83 mile an hour and who do bits over here but not necessarily over there. Do you think that Craig Overton really kind of fits into that mould, Will? Uh, it depends. Um, you have to change your length, don't you? And, you know, I think he, everyone's saying, like, he's been trying to work on his pace, hasn't he, a, a bit, you know, in his own game, in his gap away from Test cricket. He, he played a few and then went away for a while and he tried to, you know, work on that. Something, like you say, like, um, well, Breslin did bowl quicker back then, didn't he? But he always bowls quicker than you think he does. It's not all about pace, is it? You know, they're, their guys bowl probably a similar sort of pace. It's probably they're like three, four quicker on average. I would have said three, four miles an hour quicker on average. Mm. So there's if you say it. Um, it all depends. It depends what areas you bowl, isn't it? You could bowl seventy-five miles an hour, but if you you hit the right areas, you'll you'll do okay. Yeah. Okay. So before we go too much into depth into towards the squads, the main talking points going into this series, and one of the key ones has been about Tim Payne and the emergence of this new. COVID strain, Omicron. Am I saying that right? Omicron? Yeah. Probably no, not. Anagram of moronic. <laughs> Omnibus. Omnibus, isn't it? <laughs> Which uh, has meant that, that there is a chance that the fifth test won't take place at Perth due to the quarantine rules. All the England players who have come back from the T20 World Cup actually got released from their quarantine yesterday. I'm not sure whether that's the same rule for the Australians, but COVID is going to be a major part in this test series as there's no family and friends and all sorts and they're going across and there's obviously different rules and regulations so how is life over there with covid jack because obviously in england at the moment it's quite relaxed yeah for the most part in brisbane here we've been pretty lucky i suppose um and i suppose sydney and melbourne were pretty affected throughout but yeah i suppose vaccination rates are going up over here now closer to where they want to be but uh, yeah, with the re-emergence of this new variant, um, who knows what that'll bring. But uh, yeah, all in all, it's, it's doing a lot better than where we were, uh, especially mm. here in Brisbane. I think uh, the mood's obviously higher than where we were. Uh, but yeah, Sydney, like for a long period of time, we're having 1,000 to 2,000 cases a day um, for months. Um, but yeah, vaccinations have seemed to sort of ease that mm. uh, a fair bit to the point where, yeah, they're having very, very minimal now. But yeah, life's, life's getting closer to being back to normal. Um, in terms of restrictions and stuff are easing. But yeah, pubs and clubs and everything, as of December the 17th, are only open to double vaccinated Australians. Um, so lots won't actually be allowed into pubs, clubs, shops, all those kind of things. Yeah, as kind of a incentive, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, because I think one of the worries when it comes to Perth holding the fifth test is that people require a 14-day quarantine. It's, and that would stand for players, staff and commentators. There's no in-between. And with there being five days between the end of day five, let's be honest, it's not going to go to day five, is it? Uh, in, in Sydney and, um, and the fifth test, which was supposed to be in Perth, that doesn't really kind of leave you much of an option. Is there much talk over there, Jack, as to where they may do the fifth test? Yeah, they're saying Sydney or Melbourne that will get a second, yeah, second test in Sydney or Melbourne. Um, so yeah, I, th I think they've all but all but confirmed there won't be a Perth test. Um, mm. Essentially, as of yesterday over here, um, they were yeah pretty adamant that it won't be held in Perth. Um, but yeah, Melbourne and Sydney look like the leading candidates. So the next big thing is both sides come into this Ashes series with controversy clouding over the top of them. So 
in Australia, you've obviously got the big Tim Payne issue. So unless you've been living under a <laughs> rock, a big issue? <laughs> Tim Payne recently resigned after private texts were leaked between himself and former Cricket Tasmania employee i if you haven't read the texts i would say don't they're pretty cringeworthy but let's just say they're kind of a bit fruity yeah. in nature um you know my um, views on this don't you am i do you, am i allowed to say my views on this or you want to you, well, you, you can say you, do you remember my views on it go for it you can say your views on it i you know he's i think i think Unless he's been told to resign, I think he's been a bit soft. In what That's way? my views on it because I think because he's already been like he's already been through it. And he's already apologised and he he's done done all that. All of a sudden, it's come out and he feels the need to resign. And it's like, well, yeah. if it was that big of an issue in the first place, he should never have been recalled and made captain. So why does he need to resign now? This is there's nothing changed. You know, the yeah. only you know, yeah, the no, only I agree. I agree. People are going to know. It's like if he actually stands up for himself. Then, if he was forced to resign, that means that it's not on him. That means he was basically sacked, but it puts it on them to make the decision. And if they don't make the decision, then that's a good thing in the way that culture's going at the moment. You know, somebody actually standing up for themselves and not saying, ah, oh, you know what, I did something wrong. I guess I can't do my job anymore, which is weird. Yeah, I reckon you'll find Cricket Australia pushed him into resigning. It just seems that way, doesn't it? You know, we'll give you the, op- we'll give you the opportunity to leave. I said no, sat me. But as you said, you know, <laughs> yeah. this, this this was how long ago? Uh, five, years, five, six years. Was it something like that? Something like that. It was yeah. investigated at the time. They found it was two consensual people. It wasn't, you know, t- any action taken at that point. And yet, yeah. on the eve of an Ashes series, it comes back into the media spotlight. And it's yeah. gonna, who's benefiting from this? I mean, to no, be honest no. with you, I'd be quite no. happy, Tim. Pain carries on base because he ain't going to get a ton. He's, you know, <laughs> he's not all that good. We're, we're quite happy to keep him in the side, you know. <laughs> I definitely think he like, and it it would say something as well if he like, and then openly said, you know, I don't want to leave. This is their decision. I think it's a bigger statement to say that than to just sort of like fall away and go. You know, maybe maybe the fact that it's come out and it was, you don't know how hard it was on him. Maybe he can't do it. He feels like he can't do it. I think you know, it's deeper than that. I think it's his maybe, it's Yeah, it's like... He's been with his family and apologised and everything else. And now yeah. he's all the way through the spotlight. Gotta go th- yeah, he's got to go through Step, it again. Stepping but... away, protecting them might be the you know the reason why, perhaps. Yeah, I yeah. also think like protecting the rest of the squad. Like You've got a young Australian squad as well. Like It's sort of taking over the spotlight kind of thing on what is a pretty big Ashes series. Like So I think just getting rid of that attention in the media as well so they can actually focus just purely on their cricket is probably... Part of the reason as well. How far into the series was it when Freddie got pulled, called off the pedlo? Because he, he, I think it was probably the fourth after the fourth test. <laughs> was it? Because did he uh, play, did he play the last? Did he play the last test? Don't think he played the fifth test, did he? Oh, curious to know that. But either way, yes, it's one of those. I think as soon as it comes out, it kind of make very hard to hold your position, especially as captain of Australia. I think the captain of any side is a leader. You've got to set an example, and obviously, what's well, then you shouldn't have been captain in the first place, then. Well, exactly. Yeah, but this is a media Yeah, it's media pressure. It's a media issue because it was investigated at the time. There was no action taken. It's nothing. It's not like it's just suddenly come out. That's what's weird about it. Mm. It was everyone knew. 
Yeah, they knew anyway. Everyone knew. So what's what's the issue? What well, like I know that's not saying that he shouldn't. He should be. You know, he's fine with doing what he did. But like they say, it wasn't that he was. You know, like there was two people involved in there. So it, yeah. The squad is there, is there a secret keeper batsman they brought in? Is any good? <laughs> well, the person Wade. who's replaced him, <laughs> the person they've replaced him with is Alex Carey. Alex Carey yeah. beat off Josh Inglis and, oh, sorry. and Jimmy Pearson <laughs> for the role of uh, <laughs> the wicket keeper for Australia, which is, I guess, an interesting decision, Jack, given that Carey's made just a half century just once in the Sheffield Shield from his eight innings this season and averaging just 22? Yeah, um, I think he's probably been next in line for a while in terms of his always around the Australia A squads. Uh, he's been identified as a future leader, that kind of thing, which they're saying is a big part of the decision. But uh, oh, in all honesty, yeah, he would have been the last one I would have liked to see picked. Um, I think you've got Josh Inglis and Jimmy Pearson, who are probably both ahead of him, to be honest. Mm. But... I think that's probably just the easy option, Kerry, um, just in terms of he's been around the squads for longer and, and he's probably next in line on paper. Um, so it's probably the easier, easier option. Yeah, yeah. So in comparison, like you're saying, Inglis last season was averaging 73 with the bats in the Sheffield yeah. Shield. So a much more accomplished batsman and probably someone. I guess you're looking at he's only missed out due to lack of experience and possibly lack of game time because he went to the... Did he go to the T20 World Cup and not play yeah, too much? Yeah, he was at the T20 World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I would have liked to see him go with English younger um, and just, just blood a new one rather than I think Kerry's 31, 32. Um, so realistically, what's he got ahead of him? Four or five years? Mm. Um, he's way injured. No, I think they've just... Sort of move they just binned him off. It's yeah, hard. pretty much. That's hard. Yeah, I think he he kind of stood down from Test cricket. I'm pretty sure he was. Sort of, okay. Uh, yeah, to focus on short ball stuff, short yeah. format stuff. So, uh, so yeah, so English is in the uh, Australia A side. Do you see that if Carey doesn't start off as he should, maybe in the first few tests, that English may come into the side? I reckon the only way he comes into the side is if Australia lose a few test matches and Carey doesn't do his role. Um, if they're winning games of cricket, they won't change it. Uh, stick with Kerry. But um, yeah, Australia, I can't even see them playing because they're meant to be playing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's, yeah, currently bucketing down outside in Brisbane. So um, there'll be no get played. Oh, so that probably doesn't help his cause. Um, he was flying home to Perth last night as well. So he's not actually hanging for the Australia A game either. Mm. Um, which is a shame. Alex, yeah, Alex Kerry, the century last week for South Australia. Um, in white ball format. So it's interesting that, you know, all that sort of timing and everything. Yeah. Out, I mean, England have had their own issues with wicket keepers over the last few years. And we'll probably get into that when we talk about the England squad in a bit. But yeah, so the man who steps into the void, who, who becomes the 47th man to become Australian captain is Pat Cummings. And stepping up and promoted to his vice captain is Steve Smith. So... What are our thoughts? Is Pat Cummings the man for the role? And what are our thoughts on Steve Smith coming back into the captain's team? I think you'll probably find Steve Smith doing some captain with yeah. Pat Cummings being a bowler who's had injury problems in the past. It's a tough one being, I think it's harder being a bowler as a captain 
Maybe a spin is different, but being a team bowler, I think it's definitely harder, especially with the way uh, that squads are run these days with the amount of workload that they have, you know, with the way they rotate players out. Having somebody who probably isn't going to play all your games as your captain is odd, in my opinion. But maybe he's great. Maybe he's one of the biggest leaders there. Maybe he's got the best cricket game. I don't know that. Who knows? You know. I think you look, at, you look at the lineup. Who, who are they going to go for? Exactly. They're not exactly you know, awash with riches in terms of captaincy candidates, are they? Uh, uh, yeah. I think, I think you're right, though. When was the last time you had a, a Seamer captaining the series? You've probably got to yeah. go back to that big bother. Stokes. You're, you're looking at for Australia. For Australia, the last the last uh, fast bowler to captain Australia was Ray Lindwall in 1956-1957, and he stood in for one game in the India yeah, Test yeah. Series. Well, there right, you go. Okay. So Bob Williams uh, probably the last. That's a horrible ago. time to captain as a senior in India. Yeah. Cheers for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bowl too. I think coming to probably like the nice boy sort of poster boy selection, I suppose. After you know you've. I just had another scandal with pain. Going back to Smith, I suppose, probably doesn't look ideal ahead of an Ashes series. Yeah, Smith is probably the wrong look as such. But, yeah, I think you'll find he'll be doing a lot of the on-field captain in terms of field placements, bowling changes. That's the thing, as, as Will kind of touched on before. Mm. So you, find, you probably find, I think if you're going to find anyone, it would have been Lyon. I'd have expected Nathan Lyon to get it, in all honesty, out of all the guys there. He's, he's, he's one of the guys he's inked in. He doesn't really get, you've got to take injuries into account, but I would have thought that they would have given him, to be honest. Yeah, so you look at, as Slats mentioned, you look at this Australia squad, you've got David Warner, Marcus Harris, Marnus Labuschagne, Steve Smith, Travis Head, Usman Khawaja, who if you've seen that uh, Amazon documentary, there's no surprises why he isn't the uh, captain. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cameron Green, Pat Cummings, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood, Nathan Lyon, Jai Richardson, Michael Nessa, Mitchell Swepson, and Alex Carey. Now, yeah, you look through that side and it isn't shouting out leaders. And if they are, there's possibly a reason why they're not being selected as, <laughs> as a leader. Um, it's, yeah. it, it's really interesting, though, when you look at it, the different punishments after the old um, tampering situation mm. is that Warner can never hold a, a leadership position for the rest of his career. Smith was precluded for two years mm. and yet now he's back in. I don't know if you've seen the uh, article by Ian Chuckle. Oh, he's, he's not holding back, I tell you. He's, uh, yeah, he really is. In Wisden, he just said, you, should, you know, they shouldn't be playing, never mind, you know, captaining or being involved in that. So, it's an interesting one. I think it's, I think, by the fact that they haven't, you're right, they haven't got anybody else to go to, but crikey, giving it to giving it to Smith is is, is an interesting one, uh, you know, and, and weird. I think he obviously knew because in the, in the you look at the World Cup, he looked like a fish out of water in the 2020 World Cup. He didn't seem to be you know, his usual self, which is I don't know, it's, it's quite an unusual self at the best of times. Yeah, weird for him, really was. Yeah, if it's 
the, the worst thing I would say as an England supporter is the last time that Steve Smith was promoted to vice captaincy, his average went up. So maybe we'll see uh, an improved uh, Steve Smith. He currently averages 61.8 for anyone who is interested. Yeah, there's, um, no, there's no doubt in his ridiculous. cricket ability. It's his integrity that's the issue. <laughs> oh, no. Completely understand that. Depends uh, how you view punishments. Whether mm. it is once they've served it, that's it. Whether Or whether they just be punished for the rest of their career. It depends how you look at it, but, I guess. Yeah, but if, you, if you're David yeah. Warner, you're punished for the rest of your career. Yeah. But it's different rule for C. I mean, we don't know the ins and outs and what they actually admitted to in the investigation, what they decided to make public and what they didn't. But from what it sounds like, Smith turned a blind eye. Yeah. I, cap, I, I think, I think personally, he accepted responsibility of not knowing what was going on. And he's taken probably a really big hit. Whereas he, I can't, I can't imagine he's the kind of guy who would go ahead and do something like that. But I imagine David Warner is. I think he probably took a really big punishment, which may be a bit harsh, but he accepted it. That's how I look at that. So maybe because of all of that and the way that they told the board, that's why his wasn't as much, but he was captain. So he had to he accepted responsibility. My biggest thing with the whole thing was always the amount of people who handle a cricket ball and especially at that standard. And you're saying only certain uh, that, that many players knew about it. I, you know, it's... It's it's hard to say. Yeah, really. the bowlers have to know, don't they? Surely, <laughs> you yeah. have to. You're getting the ball back in your hand every time. Well, yeah, I'm not allowed to touch it. My hands are too sweaty. But I do the I do the, hey. I do the reverse effect. Actually, that's an interesting point. Was Cummings playing in that series? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the captaincy impacts the series and whether Warner actually has a say on what is going on in the field, even if he isn't. You know, is it going to be a fact that Cummins is pretty much just a captain on paper, and then you have Smith and Warner, who are captain, vice captain, doing the bits and bobs on on the actual field of play? Yeah, I think it'll be Cummins goes out to flick the coin, and that's probably about as much as uh, as he'll do. He'll answer questions in the press conference um steve said we'll back <laughs> and, and yeah smith yeah and smith you flick it like this um <laughs> i think he's already come out and said recently in a media media preference conference sorry um that yeah it'll be it'll be a real shared sort of role that's how he wants it to look and he's really glad he's got steve smith there and whatever he's come out and said that press conference already so final thing whilst we're on about australia is players who have missed out so of the 19 players who were selected for the tour of South Africa, uh, there's no Moises Henriques, uh, there's no Pukowski, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Pukowski, yeah. Pukowski, yep. uh, who's got another concussion and uh, James Patterson has retired. So Pukowski, just seriously unlucky because every time I hear about him, it's just about a player who's got serious talent who just has problems with numerous concussions. and. My next question would be, how much do you think Australia are going to miss James Patterson? Um, yeah, look, he'll be missed. I like him because he's angry. Like, he's just a typical Australian angry fast bowler. Um, that's what I like about James Patterson. So I think that's me. Like, his aggression, uh, opposed to probably the Hazelwood, Cummins, nice guy kind of approach. We'll miss that about him. But mm. in saying that, he will able to really find a secure spot on the side anyway, ahead of Cummins. Stark, Hazelwood, Richardson. There's plenty of blokes jumping for that. What Richardson's bowling well at the moment, isn't he, actually? Because I've been watching some of the Shield and he's he's been doing quite well. 
like having someone like Pattinson was good because you never really know what sort of game you're going to get from Stark at the moment. Do you? He's a guy nice. that he's a little bit up and down, isn't he? So when they, I think it happened in the last series, didn't it? They had he missed out on a couple of tests and Pattinson came in and he's a good person to come in and give you something different, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And that's why I just, yeah, his pace, he was bowling close to 90 mile an hour consistently and, and he was angry and like, you just felt I like as a batsman facing him, like he genuinely wants to hit you and hurt you and get you out. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. Anyway. So what are your general thoughts then, Jack, on the Australia squad assembled? Is it the strongest squad that you think that they could have picked? Do you think that Enrique's or Agar or Mitch Marsh <laughs> have been unlucky to miss out? No, I think it's probably the best squad they could have picked. Um, probably harsh for Henrik's in the sense, I was reading an article the other day, um, he was obviously picked in that 19-man squad of South Africa and hasn't played any Red Bull cricket since. And he's missed out on this squad. Uh, so that's an interesting one there. So he was, he was good enough to be picked last time. Uh, hasn't played any Red Bull cricket to change that opinion and didn't make this squad. So I think that's probably an interesting one. But in saying that, I don't know who he gets in the 11 ahead of. Uh, I think they're pretty set on Cam Green at six. Uh, yeah, that's quite good. I quite like that. It's, that's quite a good um, spot for him, I think. I quite like that they've not yeah. stuck him up at like like five, four or five or something like that, which which you can do and you sort of learn your learn your craft down the order. I think that's quite good. Yeah, and I think suited at six. And I, I don't mm. think Henrik pushes him out really. He might be unlucky yeah. to miss Australian A squad, possibly. Um, behind the likes of Mitch Marsh, etc. Um, I'd say Mitch Marsh, they're just going white ball form again. But Jimmy, yeah. you got any stats on Harris? I'd much rather see someone like I don't know, like with Warner, someone just as aggressive like Caleb Jewell or something like that. I love watching him because he's just a left-hander who hits it through cover to backward point every single ball, even if it's on leg stump. And I'm all, yeah, like, I, don't think, I don't think Harris is a long-term solution at the top of the order, no. to be honest. Get, get, um, Tim, get Tim Ward in, Tim Ward. You know, Tim Ward. You know, uh, Usman, Usman Kawaja averages 90 opening the batting for Australia. I see. Well, there you go. Um, he's, he's a lot better in Australia, isn't he, than he is abroad he's, he tends to out, well yeah. out, when he when he gets outside of Australia well I guess he's, he's not too bad in India is he but I mean outside Australia it tends to be a big drop off yeah definitely but that's where I wouldn't mind seeing Kawaja at the top of the order with Warner and head at five possibly they mm. won't they won't go that way but this Mother's Day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, so Marcus Harris's test average is 23, uh, 250s, no hundreds in 19 innings 
Yeah, yeah, he's not yeah, a long time. I, I thought it was an odd pick, to be honest. Mm. He's got a strike rate of 50, so it's what it is. But then, I mean, England have got their own issues up top, which we'll come on to later. But uh, just quickly going around the, well, the Zoom, who is your one player from the Australian squad? Who do you think is going to be the key player, the, the main man, so to speak? Who are they going to rely upon most? Who's going to be the main person who will decide the series for you? Steve Smith, if he's scoring runs, Australia will make plenty, I think. Slats? Yeah, do you know, it's hard to look past Warner at the top of the order, you know. He sets the tone. Um, you know, he gets out cheaply and they're under, and I think he can be a match winner for them. He can, you know, grit it in and stick in there and make runs and make big runs at the top of the order. If he does that, then I think we're in trouble a little bit. But it depends which David Warner turns up. David Warner is going to play, try and play a, a fancy shot, and, or is he going to be out there and, and, and grit it out? I think if, he, if, if gritty David Warner turns up, we could have, we could have some issues. There. Well, um, yeah, I think I'm, I, don't, I think maybe I think Australia's batting will do quite well. I think they'll consistently do well. I think they've got a slightly stronger batting up there. Just looking at those guys and the players that are in form. All the guys in there are in the top five in the shield at the moment, like all well, top ten. So they're all in good form at the moment. So I think they'll be okay, especially as it's over in Australia. I think maybe you've got to look at some of the bowlers who are gonna who've got to knock England over and keep them down. And I think, you know, I said before, I think Richardson's in quite good form at the moment and he bowls fast um and very good channels. And England can be a little bit dodgy on, you know, outside off stump, and that's where he seems to bowl. So I think that might be the might be the one there, nicking a few of our guys off. So similar question, but in this Australia squad, where do you think the weaknesses are? Where can England exploit? Where are the weaknesses for Australia? Where should England be targeting? You've got to be targeting Harris at the top of the order, I think. Uh, that should be one you're looking to get pretty early. And then I suppose the middle order is vulnerable. In I could say there's of, quite a long tail, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think obviously... Cam Green's pretty fresh at six. Whether they go Kawaja or Head at five, um, they're probably playing for their spot there. Kerry at seven, fresh. Is, it, how come, is there a reason why Philippi hasn't made any squads? No, yeah, he's probably another one you can throw around. Because he's, um, he's savaging 55 in the Shield this year. Yeah, correct. And, and he's a keeper as well. So I thought he's another name should be like in the ring. Kawaja at the top, like you said, and put him down in the lower... Low middle order, that probably looks like a stronger side already, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd rather see, yeah, yeah, Kawaja at the top than Harris. And that, yeah, that's what I mean. There's plenty of like scoring runs that you can solve that middle order sort of problem with. But yeah, I think England's got to be looking at Harris at the top and then a vulnerable middle order, probably. We've got to get Smith, Labashane, Warner early. I think they've got to get after get after those change bowlers, get after Nathan Lyon, don't let him settle, don't let him hold, you know, hold an end up and just keep it tight and keep, get, give, give the big guys a rest. I think you've got to keep those pace bowlers coming in all the time so they don't get a rest and they start to break down. Uh, that's what we've got to do. That's what we've got to target. I think that's, that's a really key bit of the uh, the series for me is you know not letting Nathan Lyon settling on an end, keeping it tight. Uh, you know We know what he does. He gets lots of wickets, but he does keep it tight when he can. So if you get after him, then um, it really puts those big guys under pressure. Mm. I think that's been definitely a big thing in series past. It, it, not even in Australia, England, knowing when to just drop anchor, when to just go about their run scoring and when to kind of apply the pressure. And I think that, yeah, like you mentioned, Slath, I think that's going to be a massive thing moving into the series, moving forwards. And we'll look at the England 
batting lineup moving forwards and look at who who are possibly going to be the players who are going to put that pressure online, as you said. And uh, Will, finally, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree a little bit. I think um, I think there's a there's probably like you say there's a, a couple of areas where you can look to survive and a couple of areas where you can look to attack in the side. Um, They'll have all their game plans, won't they, for different players. They've got to execute it. You know, they'll be looking at all this footage at Smith, looking at the seven ways he's got in Test cricket in the last two years, which is only seven times, probably. And, you know, and yeah, I think so. I just can't, but looking, you know, look, I know I just mentioned Philippi, but there's Jordan Silk, who's also averaging over 50. I know actually he's averaging 70, you know, this season, middle order. And they picked, I assume they picked Renshaw as a backup opener. Hmm. Or, did he, or does he yeah. bat middle order now? Well, he's, yeah, he's been batting middle order for Queensland. Um, Bryce Strait is opening the batting ahead of him. Yeah, but I mentioned Caleb Jewell earlier, also averaging 50. You know, I just I find it's, I find there's some odd, I think, I think if you're going to, I think you've got to target the batting. If you get a few of the big guns who aren't performing, then it puts some real pressure on. What sort of form is he? Yeah, he's doing all right. Yeah, okay. yeah. He, he just 65, averaging 65, yeah. He's third in the third in runs. So we we start the series at the Gabba, your local Jack, uh, yep, Gabba Squire, and what a place to start for Australia. They've won 33 and only lost nine of the 55 tests that have been between England and Australia there. And if you're looking for other... Other ominous uh, stats, Steve Smith averages 86 against England at the Gabba. So uh, it's going to be an interesting start. Uh, Then from there, we move to the Adelaide Oval, where England have won nine and Australia have won 17 of the tests. Then the MCG, which is a bit closer. England have won 20 to Australia's 28. Then the fourth test is at the SCG, which is England's most successful uh, test ground in Australia, where they've won 22 compared to Australia's 27. And then, yeah, we'll see where we're at with the fifth test. So the England squad that have been picked to try and win the third only test at the Gabba since World War II. Uh, so <laughs> the, squad, the squad is Joe Roots. James Anderson, Johnny Bairstow, Don Bess, Stuart Broad, Rory Burns, Joss Butler, Zach Crawley, Haseeb Hamid, Dan Lawrence, Jack Leach, David Milan, Craig Overton, Ollie Pope, Ollie Robinson, Chris Wokes, Mark Woods, and returning back to the setup, welcome back, Ben Stokes. So, initial thoughts on England squads. Obviously, no Joffre Archer out due to an injured elbow. No Sam Curran due to a stress factor of the lower back. Players to miss out. No Dom Sibley in either the England first squad or the Lions. Mahmood, Folks and Parkinson all miss out, but find themselves in the Lions squad. Also, no place for Vince or Joe Clark or Livingston, which may have been outside punts as you would probably say so general thoughts on that squad guys spam the spin is pretty obvious i would have thought the spin options being um well i'd say i can't even say part-time um probably say knowing know what it's like to try and bowl spin in just nets in australia i think that you could go the distance best if he gets picked uh, and leach hasn't played a huge amount of cricket 
England since 2019? Has he played any? Oh, I don't know. If, I don't think he has. One test? One test, maybe, I think. And, and you're right, I think he'll be targeted as well. Yeah, yeah I think... Um, and you're going to have to pick one of them because you can't go, you know, it's a it's a long old test match. If it's a if it um if it's flattered Adelaide and you haven't picked a spinner, you know, <laughs> so I think I think that's probably the weakest weakest place in the England squad. Yeah, so obviously no Mo and Ali due to retirement. Who's retired from Test cricket? Um, but yeah, so you're effectively going in with Leach and Bess. Are you surprised that Bess has made it in the squad over Parkinson? No, I don't think there's. Uh, much in it is there probably not I don't think so personally <laughs> not, not an awful lot does that say yes. a lot about England's spin options really the last few years we talk about this test series in 2010-2011 and like you, like you were saying Slats, that you know Swan's ability to hold down an end and also take wickets was massive in that series and you know it allowed the other bowlers to rest and come back at stages you know and I think the problem is is that in red ball cricket we're not exactly awash with spin options whereas no. we're all playing white ball because it's <laughs> it's a different it's, yeah, it's a completely different, different type of spin bowling as well the yeah. two formats it's completely yeah, different absolutely and I think you're right so someone like Swan who you know would, would settle on a length and hold that length and nag away and nag away and get wickets you know, you'd hope that Leach could do that. Choices, you know, you don't know what you're going to get. You know, you're going to get a half tracker. You're going to get, uh, you know, wayward down the leg side, etc. So if he's on form, yeah, he, he looks great. Um, but and yeah, so fit Leach is probably because he struggled, yeah. didn't he? So yeah. if he's fit, I think they probably got to play him. Yeah, he's, he's, see- he's England's best spinner in the squad, so he's got to play. Do you see Roots? Potentially backing himself and playing himself as England's frontline spinner, like as, or do you think that that's not for an Ashes series down under? It's too much of a risk. I think he's an option. I think he's an option as a as, as a as a fail safe, but you know, he can't play as the frontline spinner and then expect to do what he does with the bat. I wouldn't have thought he just. I think he could play himself as a frontline spinner in a, on a place where it's a. Uh, in England on a wet one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but no, I don't think you, I don't think that's a good idea for this series. Mm. So other points of contention, Johnny Bairstow in the squad over Ben Vokes or potentially another batsman. Do you think that that's a correct decision? Uh, it's probably, it's been a bit harsh on folks, isn't it? He's not done a lot wrong. You know, he's, he's not, yeah. Bairstow's a lot of opportunity. I think he has. Is it just about cricket and ability, though? Is it, is it something about actually what he brings to the team in terms of the spirit and the togetherness and everything else that just shades it for him? Mm. I, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a question for out there. You know, it's it's a big part of it when you're on tour, particularly in Ashes tour. It's about keeping that momentum up, keeping keeping people, you know, that team spirit we all talk about. Um, I don't know. I think he's got it in... In, in spades as far as that's concerned and he and he can be the catalyst for other people before well but yeah it's a it's a difficult one it's a kind of a an unmeasured one if that makes sense in terms of stats you don't see that on the stats do you no no i mean we were talking about australia's wicket keepers you've got Bairstow who hasn't p- passed 70 in his last 34 test innings um and has averaged 18 and 25 in his last two test test years uh, 2019 and 2020 and then you've got Butler who's been averaging who've averaged 26 and 28 so 
whilst good, it's not exceptional. And then you look at folks as well, who's he's going to come in and he's apart from that one year in that breakout year, he's averaged around 16, but also what he does give you is that improvement with the gloves and what he doesn't score in runs. He makes up for with the gloves, with catches and, you know, stumpings. He'd be one of the best, he'd be one of the best glovemen in the world, wouldn't he? Just pure glove work. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, so, it's such a lovely presentation of the hat. It's great. If you can so, see, if, if you're yeah. going to put it, you can screenshot that and put it on a, as a thumbnail. <laughs> like that. You can see the whole thing. It's like, a, it's like an open butterfly watching him kick. So going into the series, it's pretty obvious. Do we think that it's going to be Butler with the gloves? Yeah, I think so. He's in form as well. I know it's a different format, but he was the best batsman in the World Cup, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Who- who do we think England's starting eleven will be for the first game at the Gabba? Are they going to be weird with Broad and Anderson again? I don't know. That's, that's going to be something that's going to be debated, isn't it? Are, you, are they going to rotate, do you think? Do you think they can afford to rotate? Big mm. series? Uh, the well, trouble is, with Mark Wood, you just never know. He's, you know, he's injury prone, isn't he? And, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> test cricket is... Is he going to last five days? I mean, are there any back-to-back tests? Depends what the pitch is and if they're going to put Wokes. Because I think Wokes has to play, surely. Yeah, oh, crikey. Yeah, absolutely. I think Wokes yeah, is, Wokes. you know, has shown that he can adapt and, you know, bowl that line and that length of troubles batsmen all day long, whatever surface. I think, you know, Wokes definitely has to play. And he gives us batting down the order as well. Yeah, he goes right with the stick too. Mm. Yeah. Who, who opens the thing for England? Rory Burns and... It'll be um, Hamid. Hamid, I Hamid. think, open yeah. the batting. So, yeah. so your bowlers, you've got Wood, Wokes, Robinson, Overton, Leach, Broad, Bess, Anderson, and then you've got Stokes as your all-rounder. I think it, the first test, I think it depends if they pick Stokes or not. Mm. Yeah. If they pick Stokes, then Wood and Overton miss out. If Stokes doesn't play, if they think he's not ready, then Wood will play. Yeah, I agree. Where does Stokes five? Yeah, uh, four five. Do you reckon Stokes? Well, I think uh, you'll yeah. have. I think you'll probably have what yeah. Burns, Hamid opening the bat in. Who's going in at three? Milan. Do you, you go Milan? Milan three, Root four, mm. Pope five, Stokes six. Yeah, probably Stokes five, Pope six. Maybe that's going to be an interesting one. As depends. Well, depends. Depends where he is with his ball. Maybe. Mm. How big a role is he expected to take with the ball? They might just play him as a batter own to hold them in series. You don't know what they're going to do with him, do you? Like, what injury is he coming back from? What did he have? Finger. Finger, yeah. Finger, and he also want, he needed a break from cricket, didn't he? Which he uh, That's which right. he's taken yeah. due to mental health. He's had a lot of things going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then Butler in at seven, and then you leave yourself four spaces, don't you, really? So you've... I guess you've got to go Anderson first test. Yeah. You've got to. So himself and Broad have got to play every game. They keep dropping Broad. Mm. If you know, it's like he's missed out on a cup on a three test matches. Like uh, especially in the subcontinent, the last few years, isn't he? They he's missed out on the first one and then the last one. I thought it's um, odd that there he's the one who's kind of fell to the side. Mm. Strange. So then you're probably going to go Leach then as well, uh, which leaves you one space, which is to take be taken up by either Robinson, Wokes, Wood, or Overton. Wokes for me. Wokes for me. Bats at eight. Yeah, Wokes. yeah. But then I think Robinson Robinson's done well with the bat as well. Um, and I think what's it? Yeah. I think 
they probably if they're going to pick between the two, if it came down between Wokes and Robinson, I think England will go with Robinson. Hmm. I think they'll go with Robinson. I don't think they'll pick Wokes. I think most people would want Wokes to play, but I honestly think they go with Robinson. Hmm. And why is why is that? Does he just offer more in terms of with the he's ball? A little or? Bit, he's a little bit different, isn't he? Quite, he moves it a bit. I know Wokes does as well, but Wokes has had the he's got that tendency. height as well. Yeah, so Works has had the yeah. tendency to go like five and over at times, yeah. hasn't he, on a flat pitch? Yeah, I, I think, don't know what Wokes offers on a flat one. Look at, I think like what we've said is in previous Ashes tours, you know, you've got to look at playing the conditions as well. And, you know, we had before Tremlett, Finn, then you had Board, Anderson and, and Swan. You know, then you had Bresnan who came in and as as the all rounder halfway through as well. And you know, you're, you, looking at, you're looking at yeah. Robinson who's got the height. Do you, do you have Wood for his pace? And then you have Broad, Anderson, Leach, and but then you kind of you can't again it's leaving. You can't no. play all five, and you leave yourself quite an extensive tail, don't you? But then it's a nice position to be in, I mm. think. But I think you 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 know if you when you look at all those, if there's a bit of grass on. When they get to the first test, um, yeah. been a bit of rain about. Um, you might find that your root lead spinner option isn't actually so daft. Mm. So yeah, it's meant to rain. Meant to what, rain about Zach, what about Zach Crawley in terms of the batting? Does he not get a look in at all? I don't think he should. I think he wafts. Yeah, it's like watching, it's like watching a it's like watching a tall right-handed me. It's like <laughs> you know, As he, he's kind of played himself out of contention really recently, wouldn't you say? I think I think, so. I think David Milan's going to be interesting to see how he gets along because he's very much been again. We're talking about horses for courses. He, you know, flat track likes pace coming onto the ball. Australia should ideally suit him. Yeah, I know. I mean, you, you mentioned Sibley earlier on. Surprised whether why he'd been left out. I, I wasn't surprised at all, to be honest. You know that he was left out even out of the uh, the Lions. I think he's got a. Interesting technique, eh, Sibley? Yeah. yeah. It's probably a bit harsh with him missing out altogether, is it not? Possibly, I yeah. guess. Not to not even get a ticket. You look at you look at the Lions squads behind him. You've got Lees, you've got Alex Lees, who's the captain. You've got Tom Abel, you've got Josh Bohannon, James Bracey, Harry Brook, who looked good in the 100 and has been in good form for Yorkshire this year. You've got Sam Cook, Mason Crane, Matthew Fisher, Ben Folks, Saqib Mahmood. Liam Norwell, Matt Parkinson, Jamie Smith, Robbie H. It's not screaming out experience, really, there, is it? Or people who can drop in. So you're probably looking at this squad being... that. Well, I mean, if you're coming into the squad anyway as a replacement, you're not going to really start unless it's super key. But, I mean... I mean, Crawley, Crawley didn't get 100 in the last county championship season, average 30. He's mm. got in, and you've got... And he's way down the list. He's really far down. Uh... And who who was some of the people you miss out? Joe Clark, you know, only average thirty in mid thirties. And uh, then the only player in the England squad who's actually in the top ten. Yeah, he's number tenth on the list is Ollie Pope, who averaged eighty in the county championship. So he's got to you got to if you want to pick somebody off the most recent form, he's probably got to be in there, isn't he? And then actually, and next is Vince, averaging forty. And uh, not in either. Who's not in either? And then you actually actually um. Where's Dan, Dan Lawrence on that list? It's just above Zach Crawley. He averaged 50. So there you go. He averaged 53. Dan Lawrence in the county so, championship. Yeah, so I think you're looking at it's It's Burns and Hamid for the series, really, isn't it? Opening up, I think. Uh, 
I think Burns has been the most consistent performer over recent years. And, you know, even though he blows hot and cold, it's he blows hot more often than most. And Hamid's come in and hasn't put up, I would say, hasn't put too much of a foot wrong after his uh, nightmare uh, written <laughs> in that first test. But yeah, looking at that squad, where where's the weaknesses? Where where England's going to really need to step up and perform, especially in this uh, in the first test? They got runs on the board, haven't they? It's probably been England's one of England's biggest problems. Australia's runs on the board, um, and then well, you mentioned amazing Adelaide. It doesn't always work runs on the board, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. That. The risk is always that is sort of um, middle order, isn't it? Really, that you know, if it fires, great. You know, and I know it depends where where Root bats. If he bats at four, what's to come after him? And any sort of stickability, and that's 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 the that's the worry. Is mm-hmm. if the Aussies come out and blow in the top order, who's going to step step up and stand up? It's probably a big series for Pope, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, big series I, for Pope. Yeah, I think whilst from a personal perspective, I think whilst all the focus and attention is going to be on England's batting. I think it, the key thing is going to be taking wickets and whether the, this England bowling attack, it always, for me, it always has been. If you get the runs, it's about, you know, can, can England get those wickets? Can, you know, Leach is going to need a, a series of a lifetime and, you know, we're going to need someone else to step up alongside Jimmy, assuming that Jimmy steps up again. Uh, I think that's, I think wickets is going to be key just as much as, just as much as getting the runs, because I think on paper, England's batting lineup could come off. I think the key is, is can we get Smith out? Can we get Labashane out? And outside of that, you know, the, the series is there for the taking from my perspective. What are your thoughts, Jack? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think in Australia, yeah, you'd be able to take 10 wickets. Otherwise, teams will put massive scores on the board and, and get them to positions where you can't, can't lose the game. Mm. Um, but yeah, hundred percent. You've got to if if you get Smith and Labashane out, series is is open. I think mm. um, two two big wickets. So yeah, my question is who stands up for England? Who gets them out? Do um yeah. so couple best. Couple... <laughs> 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 Another thing that's been a major point talking point is England's lack of warm up. Well lack of games running up to this series. Obviously, in 2010, 2011, they had a rock of games where they played, uh, I think they played Tasmania, they played the Australia A, they played a President's Eleven, and they also played an inter-squad game. Whereas this season, we've just gone for two inter-squad games. The first game getting rained off after 29 overs. It had started well, though. England had got 93, not out with Hamid on 53, not out, and Burns 39, not out. And uh, then the first day, of the second warm-up, which has been yesterday, uh, our time now as we're recording has caught Rhett has been rained off. Do you think that it England there's any opportunity of England coming into this series undercooked? Definitely. Yeah. Gotta be. Yeah. yeah. That's all they'll talk about if we don't do very well. Mm. Yeah. They've been talking about it for a yeah, few that's... years, haven't they? It's been a few <laughs> years where they're moaning about preparation. Mm. So but how you can you can you can you play that many games and be away for that long days in the bubble and the rotation and everything that they're doing? It's probably not. Possible, no, I, th- I think in the current climate, you're right. It's mm. it's just too 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 difficult. But mm. yeah, I'd imagine none of that squad wants to go into the first Ashes Test match mm. having played a full game under their belt 
in, in, okay. in a similar condition, I think it's 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 a, a bit of a worry. Yeah. Okay, so looking at this squad, where are the strengths? Who is going to be the main man for England? Who needs to step up for this series to be a success for England? And we'll start with Jack. Roach's got to get runs, hasn't he? The experienced player in the side. Captain leg from the front. Uh, he, he's got to get him. Uh, and then I suppose one of your bowlers has to stand up. And it would be nice to see someone other than Anderson would stand up to get the wickets, I suppose. For for like for the English as well, in the sense that Anderson and Broad can only go around for so much longer. Mm. So it'd be good to see, you know, a young bowler stand up and and take the wickets. But I, I think Root. Yeah, I think Jack's right. I think to be honest with you, um, it's going to be the last last probably the last Ashes tour for Anderson and possibly Broad too. Um, in down you know down in Australia anyway, and um, yeah, they they want to go out on a high. Rooty's got to get runs. It's hard to look past past Ben Stokes, but you know what sort of Ben Stokes are we going to see coming back in after his break? We don't know. Um, for me, if he fires, England fire. Look pretty good in that um, little Nets clip they put on the, uh, the other day. Oh yeah, I, I watched everybody inside it and narrowly leaving it over off stump, and he was just running at everybody and whacking them. So. It's... <laughs> <laughs> So just yeah. he seemed all right to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, and, and and if he's on form, then he's a game changer. Mm. You know, and he can turn things. He can turn things very much in our favour mm. with bat and ball if he bowls. Not played a test match since March, though. But I mean, for fresh, someone as talented fresh. as I mean, for someone as talented as Stokes and the amount of cricket that you play nowadays as a professional cricketer, do you think that'll make much of a difference, Will? No. Sometimes I'm out of the game is something you need. You find you come back with a better mindset, no demons. Mm. You know, you just, uh, might come back with the attitude of enjoying it. You, and if you're free flowing already, that might help them even more. But I think uh, you're right with with Root being the main man. It's got to be Root, um, captain, mm. best batsman. And um, it might be a bit of a battle of the keepers, like we talked about earlier. You know, mm. if if Butler goes well, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean order. Root as well, yeah. Roots as well, I think, for me. Even the, even after all the spiel I gave yeah, earlier about the bowlers being the main thing, it's got to be Root. Root's got to nearly match Smith or Labuschagne or whoever the leading scorer is for Australia for me. We've got to get those runs and someone's also got to help him and chip in and like we said with the bowling as well. But also the main thing I'd say for Root is his captaincy in this mm. test series. I think it's come under question over recent years. You know, he's even though he's won 27 of his 55 tests, which makes him, I think it's the most successful England captain ever. It, I don't think it's felt like that during his captaincy. You know, I for me, I look at Strauss and Vaughan as possibly being better captains. What What are your thoughts, Will? Yeah, you might be right. It's something we haven't touched on with England yet, is it? You know, we talked about Australia's captaincy, but They've got experienced heads around, haven't they? Who have who've done it? Like Smith, at vice captain, effectively sharing a role. He is effectively captain, pretty much, isn't he? Mm. Um, makes sort of different sort of decisions, good decisions. Brute has like, has been criticised in the past for being a bit defensive or you know playing it safe. Maybe you got to take risks, um, aren't you? So. Mm. So I think I may know the answer to this one and those at home may already know the answer to it, but I'll ask you anyway. So what do you think England's biggest weakness is? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. 
We all agreed, England spin attack. Yeah. 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 Okay, so predictions now is what we're looking at. So first test at the Gabba, as we've said, England have won twice. A shadow coming in potentially undercooked. Who who are we thinking? So Jack. Well, Australia, yeah, Australia will win in Brisbane. By how yeah. much? How much do you reckon? What are you going for? A couple of wickets and innings. Three days. And innings. And innings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that went by innings. Will Smith, Labuschagne, <laughs> Yeah. If yeah, you watch, they'll play the they'll play the, uh, the two test there. If you're smart, you play the both your tests there. Surely. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. If you don't have one at the wacky. You got to play it there. Uh, but yeah, you're probably odds on favourite for Australia. But if England managed, actually, you've got to got to win there eventually. You can't never win worse, but it is possible. But um, that will make the series really interesting, even if it's a draw. Draw, I'll go draw because I bet nobody's going to say draw. Come on, slats, give me something to give me something to hold on. Give me something. To, <laughs> I was, was, was going to say hope. I was, was going to say yeah. Heart and head. Um, heart says obviously England win. Says. Rain affected draw. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, forecast doesn't look good either. Really? You could be, be on the side. <laughs> you said it was bucketing down earlier, didn't you? <laughs> Still bucketing down outside, yeah. Right, no, I'm going to go. day to dry though, so we're not I'm going to go. Rain affected win. Rain affected win. Absolutely unbelievable for performance from Hamid. Well, somebody's got to step up the top scores, of the order. Scores, for scores 150. Root comes in and backs him up with 100. Anderson and Broad and Robinson taking wickets. Well, if it, if it doesn't stop raining and it's an absolute green team, I think the team that wins that test will be the team that plays and misses the best. If, do, do you yeah. think whoever wins the first test wins the series? No. Not necessarily. No, yes, if England win it. If England win it. <laughs> if England win it, Brisbane, I think that would be yeah. a, a bigger thing than if they lose and everyone expected them to lose and playing catch up, which is the same old. I think if England win that, win the first test, it might, you know, that might be something. But if Australia win it, I think, or it's a draw, I don't think it'll have a big impact. Yeah, they're the probably expected to win in Brisbane. Yeah. How would, how would the media react to a, an Australia loss at the Gabba? Would that be a big influence on the yeah, rest of the series? Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. then we move on. Coming to the... sacked as captain and Smith takes over, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay, then we've got Adelaide, Melbourne and Sydney. Just quickly, just reel them off. Uh, Slats, we'll start with you as you finished. What do you reckon? Adelaide, uh, probably Australia. And then England bounce back. Sydney, Melbourne. Depends what actually, do you know, I've seen Warren, Warren um, has asked for, can we get a day-night test instead of the Perth test back mm. at at Melbourne? Mm. Which could be yeah. interesting. Because that first day-night test in, <laughs> in the Ashes yeah. could, be, could be really interesting. Well, I think the last time, um, the last time we had the day-night test, England were all excited and then didn't get to bowl in the conditions. Really, did they? They ended no. up batting in the condi- in, at night, so that wasn't too great. So, slats overall in the five series, what are you going for? What's the final score going to be? Oh, it's going to be tight. It's going to be so so tight. I think it's going to be probably two-one to England with the draws in there. Player of the season series for you, Slats. Who's going to be your player of the series? 
Uh, Rooty. Roos. Right. And Will, same for you. Uh, I think Adelaide's anybody's. Whoever bats the best. I think, like you said, Aussie probably win at Brisbane. Um, depends on where they play the fifth test. Could be anybody's. Um, and Aussies probably have the edge in, in the other venue as well. And uh, player of the series for me, um, Harris. Nah, I'm only joking. Uh, <laughs> play, player of the series will be uh, Tim, Ward, Tim Ward once they bring him in for Harris in the second test. Uh, uh, and uh, Tim Payne. <laughs> Root or Smith? Root or Smith. Um, so what was that overall, Will? Uh, Australia in the Ashes, one all. One all. Okay, Jack, what's your prediction? Uh, Australia and Brisbane. Australia and Adelaide. <laughs> okay. uh, you're, Australia you're, you're going on the grass, <laughs> aren't you? Australia and oh, Melbourne yeah. on Boxing Day. Uh, Australia and Melbourne on Boxing Day. England will win in Sydney and they'll be drawing the last one. Australia 3 1. And your man uh, of the series? Man of the series, Steve Smith. He'll reel well, them off. You're not going full Glenn McGrath, 5 0. No, it'd be 3 3 1. I'm going 3 1 Australia. It's probably fair. <laughs> yeah, wow. I'm gonna go ooh, Australia at the Gabba, even though I've just said that England will win. <laughs> be a backflipping. Uh, <laughs> I'll go for uh, a draw at Adelaide. I'll then go for England at the MCG and Sydney, and then we'll see what happens with the big decider in the final test. So at the moment, England two one until I find out the uh, final test at the Gabba. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be an interesting series, and I think I'll go for Ollie Robinson, man of the series. Uh, Ooh, I like it. A big ball. Yeah, I think he leads I, England to victory with multiple wickets and cameos with the bats. I think might be right though. It might go to a decider. So it does. Uh, it does. <laughs> yeah. Wash out. So anyway, so I'm sure we'll look back on all these predictions with red faces as we're all incredibly wrong. But we will be doing podcasts throughout the series. We will definitely be doing test roundups. So at the end of each test, we will be uh, doing a review of each one and preview the test upcoming. We will, if we have time, try and do some dailies. So maybe that'll be every other every other day of the test. If it goes further than two days. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah we will try and get as much content out there as possible as always you can follow the podcast on facebook twitter and instagram following cow corner podcast and cow corner pod using the hashtags cow corner and cow corner ashes all it leaves me to say is thank you very much ian guys enjoyed that thank you very much will good luck at work jack (laughs) yes thanks I'll chat, that's me. But there you go. <laughs> Thank you very much for getting up, uh, Jack. We'll try and do one our morning so you have a late night next time rather than a 6 a.m. wake up call. Thank you much for doing that, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me. Good to, good to be back on. No worries. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode of the Cow Corner podcast and the next Cow Corner Ashes podcast. Good night. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 